our new bestie has changed how we track our investments. Why have over 400,000 investors chosen ShareSite? It's simple. This online investment dashboard for your investment portfolio supports over 500,000 stocks, ETFs, and funds, plus integrated with more than 200 platforms, ensures your entire investment portfolio is organized and accessible in one place. Move beyond the limited insights from brokerage statements. ShareSite offers a comprehensive view of your financial performance, including analyzed reports, dividend gains, and the impact of currency fluctuations, all through intuitive graphs and visualizations. But here's the best part. For the investee besties out there, ShareSite is offering a special deal. Save four months when you purchase an annual premium plan. It's time to dive deep into performance metrics, streamline tax reporting, and share your portfolio with ease. Join the link in the episode description to sign up to ShareSite now and transform your investment experience. Welcome to Yours That Invest. You're joined today by your host, Sam and Sonia, two millennial investors who are here to help you learn about all things investing and personal finance. Hello, Simran. Hello, Sonia. Tell me about your life. Why did that feel so... Like, I don't want to tell you about my life right now. <laughs> <laughs> I always say that. I'm always like, hey, how's your week been? Tell me about your life. What have you been up to? But see... This tell me about your life was different to the way you said it just before. It was like, tell me about your life. Oh my God. See, perception is such a funny thing. We can listen to it back. Like, let- <laughs> <laughs> No, but do tell me about your life. Are you doing anything exciting this week or tonight, perhaps in particular? Well, now that you mention that, I am actually going to my old high school tonight to speak at the prize giving, the senior prize giving. And I guess just talk about like, we went to this high school too, and now we do girls that invest. They probably would have loved for you to be here, but you are in Toronto. Yeah, what a bummer. <laughs> okay, that did not sound like you were missing out on too much. But anyway, I'm very excited, and I'm going to do – it's like a five to ten minute speech, and I'm going to do a listicle and be like, six things I learned after I left high school, and it's going to be super cute. I really did enjoy high school. I know that's not like what most people experience, and I thought it was universal, but – High school was fun to me. And we went to the same high school. You thought it was universal that everyone just had a good time in high school? I was young. I didn't realize. (laughs) I love that. I want to be that. Delusional. Delusional. I want to be that protected from from society to even think that. Did you like high school? I mean, you seem like you'd have a good time whenever I'd see you. (laughs) I didn't hate it. It's not the most fondest of times in my life. I definitely enjoyed life after high school a trillion times more. I think there are certain people that look back and they're like, wow, I just like, I really miss my time in high school and I enjoyed everything and I liked being in school. But for me, I feel like I like my life now and I was so glad that high school was over to just be like, bye moving to a new city i just remember my dad like videoed me and some of my old like high school friends hugging each other goodbye and crying at the last prize giving because we were like oh we'll never see each other and then like 20 of us went into the same degree the year after so it was a bit (laughs) dramatic from our point of view yeah I think it's cool that you're going to go speak because i think people even now have very traditional 
I guess, paths that they kind of enforce to high school students in terms of this is where you should go or could go through uni or you could take a gap year and do things. But no one really talks about like doing a degree and then doing something not in your degree. Yeah. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Because your degree was like opposite to what we do now. It comes across that way for sure. And I'm just, I'm so excited to talk to these I'm going to say children, these young adults about like, because it was so daunting. Do you remember how everyone used to be like the real world, the real world, you're out into the real world. And I was like, this real world sounds really scary and really difficult. And like, what is it going to mean? So that was like a big anxiety inducer for me. So I wanted to talk about the real world, but in the more fun way. Before we get into the show, a huge thank you to HSBC for powering this week's episode. 9 in 10 women are ready to grow their wealth in the next 12 months, yet only 33% are confident in their ability to make investment decisions. We are so proud to be partnering with HSBC as they pave the way for financial well-being and diversity, which aligns with our mission of empowering women. An integral part of HSBC's mission is to empower and support each customer with their unique wealth needs, whenever and wherever they are. So whether you're at the very beginning of your wealth creation phase and taking your first steps in investing, or you're starting to think about passing your wealth and values to the next generation, HSBC can connect you to global opportunities at every stage of your wealth journey. Jump into the link in the description to find out more. All right, back to the show. And what are we talking about today? Because we're talking about the real world. We are. In fact, we're talking about recessions, but more specifically, what you can do to future plan and protect your money during the recession. Now, before we get into it, let's just talk about what a recession is. And the definition is that it is a temporary, remember temporary, not forever, period of economic decline where trade and activity are reduced. And it's usually described by the fall in GDP in two successive quarters. So right now, around the world, no one's really saying, hey, all of these countries are in recession. I think countries are almost like they're in denial almost about the fact that recessions are here. But you can say that if they're not here, they're very, very close. And so what can we do to future proof ourselves and our money and our family's money so that we can get through this recession Also, a huge shout out to those that have gone through a couple of recessions right now. I saw a meme the other day that was like, older millennials, we have gone through three recessions. Like, this is ridiculous. And I was like, oh my God, they like literally have. So those people might have a few more tips and tricks up their sleeve. But for some of us that maybe were too young for the GFC or didn't have to experience things as heavily and this is your first recession, it can come across as a little bit bumpy if you're not prepared. What a beautiful introduction, Sim. Let's kick things off. What's the first tip that you've got up your sleeve? So the first thing that you want to do to make sure that your money is okay during a recession is locking in your interest rates. Now, what are interest rates? Well, they're the numbers that you owe on any debt that you have. So credit card debt, student loans, your mortgages, These will all have a number associated with them that will say if you owe a lot of money for how much you've, you know, borrowed or if you owe a little bit. So, for example, in New Zealand, our student loans are interest free. So it's a 0% interest. So if I owe $50,000, I just have to pay back $50,000. However, if I have a mortgage in New Zealand, mortgage rates will change depending on how long you've locked them in for. 
Americans are lucky in this regard. They can lock in their mortgage rates for 30 years. So someone that's locked in a mortgage rate for like 5% for the next 30 years, they're sorted. They don't have to worry. But for someone like myself, I know that my mortgage only is locked in for a few years. So if I was about to redo my mortgage, I would lock it in for longer because it can rise quite significantly. So when things go up, your debt starts to get more expensive and you want to keep your debt cheap. You do not want to be owing so much more in interest than you have to. Now, with recessions, as policymakers will make interest rates rise, they're doing this to lower inflation levels. And it's kind of annoying because it means we have to go through this short term period of interest rates going super, super high just so we can help bring down the recession. If you are coming up to changing your mortgage or changing the loan that you have and being able to negotiate your interest rate, now is the time to do it and to lock it in for at least a couple of years while we write out the recession. I'm getting more and more fascinated with economics as we do this, you know, and I feel like that is such significant growth in me personally. I used to literally avoid the news and now I'm like, this is so interesting, you know? And everything in economics, even with your example, literally everything seems like a double-edged sword. (laughs) So you can't do one or the other. Yeah. You can't do one thing without impacting other things. People will complain regardless. And this stuff has been happening since time started. Am I hearing that you're going to go back to university and become an economist? Absolutely not. Although, if I could be like an economics person, like an, an economist, <laughs> economics person, an economist, if I could be an economist without a degree, I think I could deliver that news really fun and fresh. You know, I think I could give some upbeat updates to make people feel like they're going to be okay instead of just being like inflation soaring. Like a news anchor for the economy. Yeah. Oh my God, I see it. If I didn't need any qualifications to do that, I would do it. And they'd hire you. Hey guys, I was listening to a podcast yesterday. I was reading an article yesterday and this is what they said and this is what I think. That's how I would do it. There was a TikTok that came out yesterday and I just had a really interesting... (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you do it so well. hundred of us. I would tune in. I would watch that show. So now we're in a little bit of a challenge where if you, for example, have a credit card and you've got interest rates on that... Those can rise as well. It is time to either see if you can negotiate your rates. You can't often negotiate them well with credit cards, for example, but you can negotiate with your mortgage. When I was getting my first mortgage, I went to the bank and I said to them, hey, back when I had a more stable job, I was like, hey, I'm an optometrist. We are not going anywhere. Like I will be in this job. (laughs) Well, I said I would be in this job for a long time. So you should give me a lower interest rate because you're taking less risk to have me own a home. You know, I'm not someone that's in and out of a job easily. I'll always be around. Same with doctors, lawyers, engineers. And so you can negotiate your interest rates with certain places like your bank, but maybe not with others. The other place you can negotiate rates and lock them in now is any debt that you owe, long-term debt that you are trying to get rid of, whether it's an overdraft that's gone a little bit funny or you, you know, forgot to pay a credit card debt that's like 
jumped, you can now consolidate all of your loans, consolidate them into one single debt, negotiate the rates on them and pay them off quickly. Otherwise now is going to be the beginning of a time where these things just get worse and worse and we don't want them to snowball. I think that's a really great segue into going to my tip, which is plan. Just plan, besties. I think the great thing about the time that we're in at the moment, the climate that we're in, everything that you're reading, every update that you're reading, whether it's on the news, whether it's in our newsletter, whether it's articles that you're reading, they're all forecasts. So nothing is really set in stone. And at the end of the day, the people that make the final call on if the US economy is going into recession, they haven't made that call yet. So it would be good to shift your mindset in to thinking, wow, I get to plan. Like I have a little bit of time to plan before you get into the thick of it, if that makes sense. And I think taking the time to reviewing your financial plan, your budget, and also just mapping out the absolute worst case scenarios that could happen in the next year. If you have a partner, if you have kids, like what is the worst thing that could happen to you financially and what would you do? So if you did lose your job, what would you do? Do I have an emergency fund? Do I have insurances that I could use to cover my income for a certain period of time? Because there is income protection insurance. Like, how do I go about it? Can my partner's job help cover the bills for a certain amount of time? Can I be super frugal and do XYZ for a certain amount of time before I get the next job? I think this is why we always talk a good game about having a emergency fund. And I guess the recommended amount that you would need in an emergency fund is between three to nine months of income. So you've got that grace period of three months of like, wow, I've got this safety net of cash that I don't need to worry about. And it gives me more time to find my next source of income, whether that is doubling down on your side hustle or, you know, trying to find another nine to five. I always think it's a good idea to set some time apart and start planning. With that being said, I feel like a top tip that I have, if you don't really want to live frugally, if you don't want to give up your subscriptions, if you don't want to feel like you're being deprived of the luxuries that are getting you through this time. So for example, subscriptions, you know, like Spotify subscriptions, Netflix subscriptions. I think a top tip that I've learned over the past year, maybe two, is calling up your insurer, calling up your car insurance, your health insurance, your life insurance. Hey, are there any discounts or promotions going on at the moment? Speak to the customer service team because they will have retention teams or retention training that even if you're like, hey, I'm thinking of canceling because this plan costs a lot, they can walk you through different options to bring your plan down for a certain amount of time and paying less as you try save more for cash reserves. Same with like any other like companies that you can call, any bills that you're paying to negotiate that rate down if you need a cheaper phone plan or, you know, XYZ. There's so many different ways to bring your outgoing costs down if you don't feel like letting go of those 
things that are getting you through because yeah, Netflix might cost a certain amount, but that might be your downtime. There's definitely other ways to go through it. So yeah, top tip from me. I love that. I had a friend the other week that had a card that they just weren't using like a debit card and it would bring up like AirPoints for them. And they were like, they called up the company and they're like, Hey, I'm just like, you know, not really using this. I want to get rid of it. And they're like, Oh no, we'll keep like, would can we give you like 500 extra points for you to stay? And they're like, Oh, that's like $500 worth of flights. Like, of, of course. And so it actually works. It like blows my mind. There are actual teams yeah. to keep you in a system. And saying that though, the other week, because of my ceiling collapsing with my house, I called up my internet provider and I was like, hey, I'm not going to be here for a while. Can I like pause my subscription or pause like my monthly cost? And they were like, no, but you can cancel. And I was like, okay, cancel me. Wow. That makes sense. Because like you're not losing anything by restarting your own internet again right yeah but it just goes to show sometimes it works sometimes it doesn't but you'll never know if you don't try and you don't ask exactly what's the worst thing that they can say no which is not a bad answer in saying that also i think with frugality taking care of your things and trying to increase the longevity of your things they go hand in hand like as inflation increases, you'll kind of notice that there will be like supply change issues. So for a lot of people, if you're ordering furniture, if you're ordering cars, if you're ordering, you know, certain types of tech products, if you're trying to order replacement parts, you might notice that one, there is a delay or two, they're going to be super, super expensive. So I think just figuring out ways where you can take care of your things and also checking if you've got like warranties on the products that you've got now because yeah you never know when you need it you know and warranties usually last for like over a year at least and it's just a good habit to have in general like even when recessions end trying to be the kind of person that takes care of their items <laughs> like I think we're all people that are like oh I can just run into the store and grab a new one if I have to but it's so good for us it's so good for our pockets and for the environment to be like let's make this coat last as long as possible let's like give these pair of shoes a good scrub so that they look brand new and I don't have to like you know run through them too quickly I just feel like these are good mm. life skills that we can pick up can I ask for a favor? Yes. Something that I love you talking about, which is very few and far between. <laughs> <laughs> I think something that I love you talking about is the bootstrap theory. Is that what it's called? Oh, yes. I feel like this is a great time to bring that up if you would do the honors. Of course. So this is called the Boots Theory of Socioeconomic Unfairness. It came from a book. It's the idea that if you buy like one pair of boots for $100, Yes, that's expensive, but that might last you 10 years versus buying like a $20 pair of boots every single year. And they're so cheap that you end up buying another one for 10 years. The first one would have lasted you longer and would have been cheaper. And it's hard to do this if you know, if you don't have the money up front, but if you are in a position where you can afford either, go for the one that is long-term that lasts you. My family is super frugal which is probably where I get it from but they will when they can try to go hey let's go and buy that like nice shirt because that's going to last you longer sim than like the Kmart shirt and I'm like no I want the Kmart shirt and that's how I used to be for a very long time but then I'd notice you know by the time summer was done I couldn't wear those shirts anymore and so now I'm trying to shift away and just be someone that has pieces that are maybe a bit more costly and hurt 
but will last me so many more years. Mm. Just one final thing before Sim moves on to her next tip. I just want to say, in terms of clothes, I used to work in retail. Please be aware of the washing instructions of your items. If you are putting something that is designed to be washed in cold wash and you're putting it in a hot wash, that is going to impact the longevity of that item. Take the time, you know, those tags exist in your clothes for a reason. I cut it off, but I'll know what the wash instructions are. I personally only wash my clothes in a cold wash, but if something is being put into the washing machine and it's supposed to be hand washed or dry cleaned, just wash your clothes properly. You know what I mean? Absolutely. In this recession, we cannot be affording to not be washing our clothes properly. Thank you so much. Anywho, moving on. (laughs) Now, the third thing that you can do during a recession is diversifying your income. You do not want to be reliant on just one job. And that doesn't mean going out and getting a side hustle or trying to like sneak an extra job. I mean, even within your company, you don't want to be reliant on just being the person that does one single thing. You want to be the person that is indispensable, that is someone that can't be let go of easily because unfortunately as recessions come, so do lots and lots and lots of layoffs. We're starting to see it happen already in tech with Meta and Shopify and Twitter laying off a lot of people. So when it comes to a recession, you don't want to lose one stream of income, especially if it's your main source. You want to be someone that a company goes, well, we can't let go of Sim because she's doing this and this and that and it would just she's too invaluable to leave so before this recession comes now is the time to start doing within your jobs maybe a little bit of upskilling or doing a course within your company or asking your leader hey what's something that you really want to see me grow into or really need a hand with I'd love to like you know put and divert more of my time into these things You almost want to get your fingers in a lot of things so that when time comes, it's unfortunately going to be the person that maybe was just cruising in the last couple of months, as opposed to someone that was putting in all of the time and energy to make sure that they were like well known. Now, do you have anything to add to this? Because I feel like you have done a lot of work in this area with being a leader. What would be the things that you'd look for for someone that you're like, we can't let go of him or her? Mm, that's a good question. I think I was really fortunate in my previous job to be having weekly to fortnightly developments with people and that could be half an hour or an hour. And in those sessions, we really unpacked what they would want and what career growth looks like for them and what their goals were. I think if you make it known to your leader or your manager that you're looking to upskill, that you're looking for more responsibilities, that you're looking to just feel more impactful in the team, they can let you know all the appropriate ways to do that, that still allow you to do the tasks that you're employed to do. But if this is something that you do want to do, I think notice what other people are doing and what other people like if there was someone that trained you or that you shadowed what responsibilities do they have what are the steps that you need to take to do said responsibilities I think for me as a leader it was always so refreshing when people said that to me because then I would actively find opportunities for them if something came up in a leader meeting or if something came up in an operations meeting and they had like someone that needed someone from like customer service, for example, like another one of the teams needed their input on something. I would be like, hey, this person's really 
is trying to work on that. Let's give them that opportunity. So yeah, I think it is your responsibility to put that forward to your leader, but it's also the leader's responsibility or manager's responsibility to kind of seek out those opportunities for you too, because we have more time and we have the space to be looking for those opportunities as well. Guys, I'm at that stage where I'm missing corporate a little bit. Is that insane to say? I don't think that's insane. I feel like you've always been like a corporate girly at heart. Like when Sonia talks about the workplace, like being in an office, her eyes light up. And I'm like, I'm sorry that we, I'm sorry that we can't. Don't say it like that. That sounds gross. I just mean like being around people and getting free food and like corporate drama. Like I miss that. (laughs) Bring drama back. The other thing that you can do if you're like, hey, Sim, look, I don't really want to like invest more into this company. Like that's not aligned with my values. I want to do just what I'm assigned to do. And if they let me go, they let me go. That is totally fine. There's also other ways to diversify your income. You don't have to do this right now. You don't have to like stretch yourself too thin, but just for your own peace of mind, write out three different jobs that you could do if you had to lose your job. Maybe something like, walking dogs or something like a side hustle that you're interested in or are you a really good teacher could you tutor people there will always be other skills that you have it could always be other jobs that you have people that you may know that could get you a job but just have a little backup list for you if and when things might turn sour you'll be able to go to refer to this list during a time of you know quite a lot of emotional turmoil and you'll be able to make your next step very easily And that has been such an invaluable thing for me. I always know in the back of my head, if one thing doesn't work out, I have three other things I could do. I love that. Can I just say, I don't think that people talk about volunteering enough. And in saying that, you know, why would you? Because you're trying to like increase your wealth in the time of recession. You're not getting, you know, paid with the time that you take to volunteer but if we're talking about increasing your skills and adding things to your resume obviously I think volunteering should be done with good intent (laughs) with you wanting to help people and I understand that but I think that while you're doing things while you're volunteering in certain areas that you're passionate about so for example volunteering at Starship which is like a kids hospital in Auckland and going around and taking balloons and like making you know a sick child stay better that gives you endorphins and serotonin and makes you feel like a good person but also you can add your volunteer experience the things that you're doing for free for other people to your resume, to your LinkedIn, because it just shows what kind of person that you are. A lot of times with upskilling and trying to go above and beyond in your company, I feel like you can tell when someone's being genuine and when someone's just wanting to upskill for more money or for more status, and that doesn't come across great. I know that seems like, oh my God, politics in the workplace. I get it. Mm. I get it. But I think volunteer work really just shows a lot about you and your character and what kind of person that you are, which you always bring to the workplace. You know, this is how you integrate yourself in teams. This is what you value. This is how you spend your time. So I get that not a lot of people have the privilege to volunteer because they need to do things that will give them money and I get that completely but if you are in a position where you do have some extra time I try volunteering 
helps everyone. It honestly does. And there's been jobs that I've gotten when I was younger that started off as a volunteering job. And they were like, hey, actually, there is like this part-time role that, you know, you could do. And as a student, I was like, thank you so much. (laughs) As a student, you're like, thank you so much. I really needed this. (laughs) Exactly. For business owners, every transaction is more than just a swipe of the card. It's the culmination of your hard work, dedication, and commitment to your customers. That's why I'm excited to share with you a game-changing solution that's simplifying the way businesses like yours accept payments. Introducing Tap to Pay on iPhone, powered by Stripe. Contactless payments has never been easier. You can seamlessly accept contactless payments directly from your iPhone. And the best part, there's no additional hardware required. Think about it. From local pop-ups to global retailers, tap to pay on iPhone and Stripe cater to businesses of all sizes, empowering them to accept payments right from their iPhones. It's a game changer for businesses looking to scale quickly and stay flexible with quick setup that takes minutes, not days. So how can tap to pay on iPhone and Stripe benefit your business? It's simple. Increased revenue, expanded reach and enhanced customer experience. It's a win, win, win. To learn more about how tap to pay on iPhone and Stripe can transform your business, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone today. The fourth and final tip would be to resist potentially impulsive investing choices. Now, we've said this time and time again, it is really hard to not be worried about your portfolio at the moment. I think this year has really just aged all of us in terms of all the red that we've seen in our stock market, all the ups and downs. You know, what is the economy doing? And like at this point, I think everyone just wants the government to scream, yes, we are in a recession. (laughs) You know, it would give me peace of mind if people just said it instead of just like tiptoeing around this word that people aren't saying or like the professionals aren't saying. The economy people aren't saying. The economy people, you know, you know them, people that talk about money on TV. I think there's definitely ways to, if you do have play money, to play around with your investments. However, if we're being concerned that we're going to an economic slowdown into a recession, I think evaluate your strategy. But if you have like 10 to 15 years before you retire and you're in it for the long term, leave it as it is, babes. Like, don't touch it. Like, why are we changing up our plans? If you need to reevaluate in a way where you're putting in less, but you're still contributing so you can have more cash reserves to prep for whatever is could happen next year, then do that. But actually, there was a study that Fidelity did. Those who invested in target date funds, which include ETFs, which include mutual funds, and those are usually tied to like a retirement date. So if you've got your investing goal in mind and you're only going to pull out in 15 years when you retire, those people who kept going the way that they were throughout a recession, who didn't change their investment strategy during the 2008 to 2009 financial crisis, they had higher account balances by 2011 than those who reduced their investing or halted their contributions or pulled out. 
like when you think about it it's almost like oh of course that makes sense but when you're in a position right now where you're seeing the share market drop you're not sure about what's going to happen with your financial future you're not even sure if you're going to be able to keep your job it is so hard to like think long term and just hearing that is such a great reminder of like oh that's right this has happened before and this is what the people that have come out of it better have done you need to keep contributing to whatever you can and upskilling and investing it's easier said than done but it's just a good reminder so thank you you're welcome look sitting down with your finances you know we're into the game a few years now we, we've been taking this seriously you know i look forward to my finance dates most of the time but as i said a few episodes ago I pulled my Canadian bank accounts and I looked at every transaction that I made and it was uncomfortable. I was like, what am I doing right now? You know, it made me rethink, you know, I go back to when I was in 2021 about like being in my low buy year. What do I value? What am I spending my money on? It's uncomfortable to go through your money and to be so vulnerable with it, especially if you have a partner, especially if you have a family, especially if you have dependents and other people that you're taking care of that you have to think about and you're not just thinking about yourself. Like at the moment, I'm just thinking about myself, you know, and it's uncomfortable. We're not saying that. It's hard. It's not... It's not the greatest time on the planet to be thinking, oh my gosh, what would I do if I lose my job? What would I do if I lose my side hustle? What would I do if people don't want to spend their money? But it's necessary. And I think the short-term awkwardness or potential uncomfort that you're feeling, I think in the future, it's just going to save you so much stress. And just the simple fact that I know that I've got an emergency fund has given me so much peace of mind with changes that are happening in my life right now. I would not be this chill if I did not have said fund. Do you know what I mean? I love that. Like if, yes, it's so uncomfortable right now, but it would be so much more uncomfortable if and when, and we don't want this to happen to anyone, but if and when things go south, not having a plan is so much more scary than going, okay, I didn't want this to happen, but let's pull out that Google doc or that folder of all the things that I can do, all the things that I've done. And now let's deal with it. I'll also go as far as to say that if you have all these plans sorted out, like Sonia said, you've got so much more peace of mind. And instead, you can actually start looking for opportunities because during recessions, Mm -hmm. in a weird way, some of the biggest companies in the world, like Uber and Airbnb, actually came out from the GFC, the global financial crisis, because they were due to people that were backed against a wall and was like, I need to be creative to make some money. Let's come up with this audacious idea. You can't think like that if you're worried about when the next paycheck is going to come in. Mm. But if you have plans in place, your mind is so much freer that you might be able to start making use of this recession as opposed to just having it come at you. Mm. It's not all doom and gloom, you know. Fingers crossed. (laughs) So I feel like that's probably a good place to wrap it up. As always, first things first, lock in those interest rates, keep them low, then make sure you're making a plan, take care of your valuables, do what you can to help things last, diversify your income, whether that's within your job or outside, and resist the impulse investing moves that we all want to make, but we just have to actively try not to. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. I hope it hasn't come across preachy. Definitely let us know. We just want to make sure that you are in the best financial position so that future you can look back and go, 
thanks thanks him you helped with that thanks Sonia that like made sense to me if you've got any feedback leave us a review take a screenshot of the podcast and put it on your Instagram story if you've enjoyed this it's the best way to help get our podcast out there and reach more people as always you can follow us on Instagram on Facebook join our newsletter all the links are down below and we'll see you next week until next time Sonia Till next time, Sim. Bye. Bye. Before we go, thank you again to HSBC for not only powering this episode, but for the rest of the season. Don't forget to check out the link in the description to find out more. And as always, to finish off with our disclaimer, Girls That Invest does not provide personalized investing advice for your individual needs. We are not financial advisors. The advice from Girls That Invest exists for educational purposes only and should not be relied upon to make an investment or financial decision. Advice from Girls That Invest is general in nature and does not consider individual circumstances. Always do your research and please use your due diligence.